Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Anonymous Investors Podcast. I am Stonkman, joined as always by God, my co-host. And today we're going to be talking about one of the biggest collapses in financial history, perhaps larger than Lehman, perhaps a bigger Ponzi scheme than Bernie Madoff's. God, what do you have to say about this with FTX, the whole situation that's gone down and transpired within the last week and a half or so? Yeah, so uh, a little background on what uh, FTX is, if people don't know. Basically, like this crypto exchange, similar to like Coinbase, Binance, uh, um, all the other crypto exchanges that are out there. And recently, they just went uh, bankrupt. They were valued at pretty much over $30 billion. Now they're worth zero because their uh, founder, Sam Bankman-Free, who he's been out there like donating to uh, Democratic parties. He's been out there saying um, he's an effective altruist. And apparently, effective altruism means you just take everybody's money and you steal it and you you just flee the country. That's pretty much what, what this guy did. And what I think happened is FTX, um, they have this trading partner called Alameda or Alameda Research, and they probably went bankrupt and went belly up during the same time that uh, Three Hours Capital and all the other crypto trading uh, programs or platforms blew up uh, during Q2 of this year. So what they did was they probably lent money to Alameda Research to uh, basically, uh, you know, pay their debts that they, they had and their debt led them to blow up. And they did this through their uh, FTX token, which is basically this Ponzi scheme token where you can just print money out of thin air. A lot of exchanges have these tokens and they're all worthless and they have no value. So they lent money to Alameda Research. And, to, and basically what Alameda Research did was they used this money to um, meet their uh, debts and meet their liabilities. And you can see this through chain analytics on like blockchain.com and a lot of other platforms and such. And Sam Bankman Freed, um, recently you saw in the news too, he was trying to uh, raise money from a whole bunch of different people. Uh, you saw him try to raise money from uh, Elon Musk. You saw him try to raise money from CZ. And a lot of people think this this attack was like basically coordinated by uh, Binance and such. And that CZ, CZ had a lot to do. Um, was attacked by causing the bank run by selling off FTT tokens. I don't think that's the case. I don't know. What do you, what do you think about uh, basically Binance coordinating this attack? Did you see anything about that? I did, and one of the biggest things, I'll get right into that for a second, but just to kind of paint a picture here, a lot of these crypto exchanges, they offer their own tokens, right? Like FTX had FTT token, uh, Binance has like their little Binance coin or whatever, and in my opinion, these ICOs, these initial coin offerings are done by these exchanges in a way to like raise equity without actually selling off equity. Uh, and in my opinion, I think it's a clear violation of the Securities Exchange Act of 1933. Um, and I think it's something that needs to be heavily regulated. And in terms of like exchanges being able to offer these coins, like it's a huge problem, right? Because you have people that, I mean, there are people like, I mean, in a way, it is a big problem for sure, because there are people, unfortunately, that get burned. But at the same time, it's like, well, you know what? You kind of have to be an idiot because you're buying into something like I think even um, the Board Ape Yacht Club guys did this. They have their little ape coin or some shit, right? But ape coin isn't equivalent to owning, uh, you know, a Board Ape Yacht Club NFT. It's like nowhere near that, um, that like same amount in value. Right. So, you know, it, it's just like another bullshit way for them to raise capital without actually like really offering anything. But uh, so that's the first thing you see these ICOs being done by exchanges. And it's just very quite simply, it's just a way of like taking money from people who are fucking clueless that don't know. And they think, oh, this is an investment. This is an investment. And it's just so stupid. But I will tell you this, though, as far as Binance being involved in like what happened with FTX, I think the foundation was already there. Like FTX fucked themselves. Right. And Binance just expedited the process. Because Binance had, from what I read and, and what I was seeing in the reports, Binance had uh, something like $2 billion in FTT and they just fucking dumped it all on the open market, right? So they like create, they like started the bank run. And then what happened was everyone else was like, oh shit, let's pull out, let's pull out. And FTX, obviously, like you said, with Alameda Research, they were like moving, it was like a shell game, right? They were pulling like a Bitfinex and Tether, like moving money back and forth. So what happened was all the, a lot of the money 
was tied up in Almeida, and they had they have losses, obviously, because look at where the crypto market is now compared to like the last year and a half, right? So they're down, and they don't have enough money in liquid assets to pay off all the people who are like doing this fucking bank run, right? So, but the whole bank run was started by CZ and Binance to sink FTX, and the reason for that, the impetus for that, is that I don't know if you saw this, but it really like a month ago. Um, this was way back. Actually, it was like a month and a half ago. This was in September. It was a situation where um, Sam Bankman freed. He actually was in Washington on Capitol Hill and he like presented to Congress. I don't know if you saw this, but like he threw Binance under the bus and CZ saw that and he was like, OK, motherfucker, like you want to play dirty or whatever you want to try to like tattletale or some shit or like kiss up to the regulators. And I think that's when he was like, you know what? Fuck this guy. I'm going to fucking dump all of his bullshit token. We're going to sink it. We're going to create a bank run. Everyone's going to shit their fucking pants. We'll, we'll spread rumors or we'll talk about rumors about there being like liquidity issues or whatever. And then everyone will sell it off. It'll create this giant bank run. He knew, I guess he must have known he had inside people or had some inside scoop where he knew that they didn't have that money liquid like every other exchange, right? They never see, none of these exchanges ever seem to have that amount liquid in case there's like a full-on bank run, right? So, and by the way, major banks don't have that money either. The only thing that's stopping people from committing these bank runs is that FDIC insurance. That's the big thing, right? So, and that's coming from my perspective. And I know you feel the same way because you're also in like that same financial sphere. And, you know, we both have worked in that sphere for a while and we get it, but it's just like, that's what it is. The, the bank run like in crypto, there's nothing to kind of stop it. And when people want their money, they're going to just fucking start withdrawing. So, but as far as the bank run, how it started, I think Binance was involved in the very beginning of it, but the, the cracks in the foundation were already there. You know, Binance didn't create the problems that FTX had prior to the bank run. It's like FTX backed themselves into that corner through, in my opinion, uh, horrible money management, a blatant shell game, um, blatant securities violation in claiming that Almeida Research and FTX are two legal separate entities and then just lending money from one company to another, like I said, in the form of a shell game. And that's just what it was, plain and fucking simple. Yeah, I mean, I think I think um, if you read FTX's terms and conditions, right, they explicitly uh, forbid under the terms and conditions trading with customers' funds. And this um, section, if you read section uh, 8.2, it says, title to your digital assets shall at all times remain with you and shall not transfer to FTX trading. So there's a big, it's probably going to be a big civil lawsuit if anything's there to recover because they blatantly committed fraud and lied to customers in saying that they will not uh, trade with or lend their coins and that the customers are in full custody of their coins at all times. So there's plain and blatant fraud right there. And what you said previously about Binance, I probably agree with. I don't think Binance caused the issue. I think FTX um, is basically the root cause of the issue. Because if you remember, right, in um, the first part of this year, I don't know if it was January or February, when BlockFi and Voyager and all those companies went bankrupt. Um, do you really think that FTX was bailing those companies out of the kindness of their heart? No, there's probably some systemic risk to FTX and FTT token in um, particular that led them to do that. I, I would guess, or I would fathom to guess that these platforms, BlockFi and Voyager probably held a lot of FTT token. And if they were to go bankrupt and basically bankrupt bankruptcy proceedings were to happen, FTT token would have, would have been forced to sell and that would have caused the bank run much earlier earlier this year. So I don't think FTX was doing it out of the kindness of their heart in bailing out Voyager and bailing out BlockFi um, this year. And it seemed like that they were very um, like fiscally responsible and that they were basically saving the crypto economy and people were like praising FTX for like saving the crypto economy and preventing these companies from going bankrupt. But no, they were just preventing the contagion from spreading to them and the uh, overall risk from spreading to them. And if you look at Voyager and these platforms, I saw somewhere online a news article that Voyager had 
8 million FTT tokens and they had 64 million uh, Serum tokens. So Serum tokens is another token that FTX basically created out of thin air. And if these tokens were to be sold on the open market, that's 60. So FTT before this whole collapse was basically um, $32 a share. So if you take 4.65 million FTT tokens times 32, that's 120 million. And then 64 million Serum. I'm not sure how much uh, Serum token is. So hold on, let me just look up how much a Serum token is. Um, Serum token is two bucks. So that's basically 128 plus 128 million for the Serum. And how much did I say before? Uh, on, so that's 240 million that Voyager had um, exposure to on these two tokens. That's not counting BlockFi and that's not counting other crypto platforms that um, that FTX was basically looking at acquiring. So a lot of these people thought that FTX was doing this at, out of the kindness of their heart. I came skeptical when they were buying out all these platforms, when they were, when uh, Sam Bankman-Fried was going to Congress lobbying a lot of people, when Sam Bankman-Fried was out there saying effective altruism, people that are truly generous and truly kind, they don't go out there saying I'm an effective altruist. And there was a lot of red flags on FTX and what was happening um, in the past few months alone. And I think people should like, instead of becoming too optimistic, they should start looking at red flags and start doing more investigations and stop being uh, so loose, loosey goosey with their money. With their money. 100% I'm totally with you. And I love what you said right there. There's two main things that I take away from this. Um, just buying everyone out, especially in a down market like that, you're like, well, what's their liquidity structure? Do they really have a super strong balance sheet? Or is it like they're buying people out, like you said, because they know that they have the exposure and they're just trying to keep the fucking, you know, it's like putting a bandage on a bullet wound, right? Like they're just trying to keep going, keep going, keep going to the end and conning more people along the way. I mean, there's so much to unpack with this. It's fucking incredible. Um, but I guess, yeah, that was the one big thing that you spoke about. And the other big thing that I realized is, like you said, Sam Bankman-Fried, and he was going around and preaching this effective altruism and sort of like painting himself out to be like a good guy or like a billionaire that like cares about other people and all this shit. Like you said, I mean, you know, it's like that old, there was a George Steinbrenner quote, the late owner of the Yankees, and he had a quote where he said, if more than two people know that you did something good, you did it for the wrong reason, right? So it's kind of like people who actually do good things, they don't walk around like, look at what I did, look at this, I'm the shit, whatever. No, because then you're doing it for the wrong reason, right? You're doing it for the positive PR, you're doing it for the positive attention or like to increase your public well standing in society, which is fine. It, it's fine to want to be accepted and and perceived in a better light in society. I think that's like a normal human thing is like you want to be accepted within most groups or you want most people to like you, but you shouldn't be like walking around like you're, you know, Jesus and you're like walking on water and all this shit. So, and a lot of people saw through this bullshit, man. A lot of fucking people. I've got a quote here from Elon Musk. He was in a Twitter space uh, earlier today and he says, to be honest, and this is uh you know, when, when asked about Sam Bankman-Fried, he said, to be honest, I've never heard of him, but then I got a ton of people telling me you've got, you know, huge amounts of money that he wants to invest in the Twitter deal. And I talked to him for about half an hour and I know my bullshit detector was redlining. It was like, this dude is bullshit. That's my impression. Then I was like, man, everyone, including major investment banks, everyone was talking about him like he's walking on water and has a zillion dollars. And that was not my impression whatsoever. Dude is just, there's something wrong. He does not have the capital. He will not come through in the Twitter deal. That was my prediction. And Elon Musk, 100% right. And we actually saw leaked emails from Elon Musk and the banker that was involved in the Twitter deal, Twitter deal the Morgan Stanley banker, Michael Grimes, going back and forth. And pretty much the precipice of this email just comes down to, this email exchange just comes down to, Elon Musk just flat out saying to Grimes, does Sam Bankman-Fried actually have $3 billion liquid? And that was his way of saying, this guy's a broke boy. This thing's a total fraud. I had a conversation with him for half an hour. Nothing he said was good. And you spoke about the red flags, and I actually have a very good piece that I saw way back in May 
where Sam Bankman-Fried was describing yield farming, and he basically describes a Ponzi scheme without admitting that he describes a Ponzi scheme. And he was sort of on this interview call with people from Bloomberg, and they were talking to him and asking him about it. And, I mean, it's unbelievable. I'm going to play this clip for everyone. I, I know that you know, it'll be good. God, you did you see this clip? I'm curious. I think you might have seen it because I sent it to you privately. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think we should roll the clip. I remember this. This is another red flag. Yeah, this, this was crazy. This was, the big, this was the fucking biggest red flag ever. Like, this is how people still trusted this guy after this. He went public talking about this. He basically describes a Ponzi scheme. And he's like, yeah, I mean, you know, that's just what it is. And, and the interviewers are, are laughing the whole time. I'm going to play this clip. I actually saw Asmund Gold uh, from Twitch react to this clip. It was a clip from CoffeeZilla, so shout out to him. And on the back end of this clip, I have some more stuff that I have to say to some other people in the space. And I really, I have some harsh words for them, so I'll get into that after. But let's roll this clip. Let's get it kicked off and let's get going. A surprising amount of legitimacy for what farming could mean. You know, where do you start? You start with a company that builds a box. And in practice, this box, they probably dress it up to look like a life-changing, you know, world-altering protocol that's gonna replace all the big banks in 38 days or whatever. <laughs> Maybe for now, actually ignore what it does or pretend it does literally nothing. It's just a box. All right, step one, we're already getting some red flags here. Pretend you're life-changing and actually do nothing. Okay, uh, what's step two, Sam? And then this protocol issues a token. We'll call it whatever, X token. And X token promises that anything cool that happens because of this box is going to ultimately be usable by, you know, governance vote of holders of the X tokens. They can vote on what to do with any proceeds or other cool things that happen from this box. And of course, so far, we haven't exactly given a compelling reason for why there ever would be any proceeds from this box but i don't know you know maybe, maybe there will be so that's sort of where you start and now what happens well x token has some market cap right it's, it's probably not zero but let's say it's you know 20 million dollar market cap okay step two make a 20 million dollar market cap from nothing no big deal guys it's crypto now the, the interviewer this guy matt levine sort of picks up on the insanity of this he's like this serious investment banker guy you have to imagine and he's like look no it can't be worth nothing you you can't do this and sam bankman freed's like the hell i can't from like first principles it should be zero but okay uh sure okay <laughs> i i completely reasonable comment <laughs> like i mean I don't, like that's not quite true but it's like when you describe it in this totally cynical way, it sounds like it should be zero. But go on. Describe it this way. You might think, for instance, that in like five minutes with an internet connection, you could create such a box and such a token and that it should reflect like, you know, it should be worth like $180 or something market cap for like that, you know, that effort that you put into it. In the world that we're in, if you do this, everyone's going to be like, ooh, box token. Maybe it's cool. If you buy a box token, you know, that's going to appear on Twitter and I'll have a $20 million market cap. All right. Red flag three, my man just said, maybe in your world, a box that does nothing can't be worth $20 million, but in my world, 20 million minimum. And this is sort of where things go full Ponzi, full, we don't even try to hide it. Money goes up because more money goes in and more money's going in because money goes up. <laughs> so, you know, X tokens being given out each day. All these like sophisticated firms are like, huh, that's interesting. Like if the total amount of money in the box is $100 million, then it's going to yield $16 million this year in X tokens being given out for it. That's a 16% return. That's pretty good. We'll put a little bit more in, right? And and, and maybe that, that happens until there are $200 million in the box. So, you know, sophisticated traders and or people on crypto Twitter or, or other sort of similar parties go and, and put $200 million in the box collectively, and they start getting these X tokens for it, right? And now all of a sudden, everyone's like, wow, people just decide to put $200 million in the box. This is a pretty cool box, right? Like, <laughs> this, this is a valuable box, as demonstrated by all the money that people have apparently decided should be in the box. And for we to say that they're wrong about that, like, you know, this is, I, I mean, boxes can be great. Look, I love boxes as much as the next guy, right? And, and so, so, 
what happens now, all of a sudden people are kind of recalibrating. It's like, well, $20 million, that's it. Like that market cap for this box. And it's been like 48 hours and it already has $200 million, including from like sophisticated players in it. Are you guys hearing this? He literally just described a Ponzi scheme unironically and said at the top of this interview, by the way, that this is one of the most important things in DeFi right now. Boxes that do nothing that are in the shape of pyramids. And by the way, you and I aren't the only ones who feel stunned by this. The interviewers are just sort of at a loss for words. I, I think of myself as like a fairly cynical person. And yep. that was <laughs> so much more cynical yeah, than this, I, how I would have described farming. Like, you're just like, well, I'm in the Ponzi business and it's pretty At good. Point, have, and did any of this require any sort of like economic case? It's just like other people right. put money in the box. And so I'm going to too. And then it's more valuable. So I'm going to put more money in. And at no point in the cycle did it seem to like describe any sort of like economic purpose. Now, it was at this point in the interview where I thought, okay, finally, some sensible people in the room. Clearly, Sam just got called out for pitching Ponzi schemes. He's now going to backtrack, right? Wrong. Instead, Sam goes, mm, this is my world. And uh, you guys are boomers and just don't understand how money works. And it is sort of like real monetizable stuff in some senses. And, you know, at some point, like if the world never decides that we were wrong about this in like a coordinated way, right? Like you're kind of the guy calling bullshit saying, no, this thing's actually worthless. But in what sense are you right? You could see something get market cap in the way that, I don't know, Dogecoin or, or Shibcoin have, right? Where people are just kind of like, haha, and then they buy it. And if you're like, that's dumb, it has no cash flow, I'm going to short sell it, you lose all your money. There it is, guys. The unironic investment case for memes and Ponzi schemes. They have. Pretty incredible stuff there from CoffeeZilla. Terrific video there. Terrific breakdown. If you want to hear the full thing, I highly, highly recommend you go to his channel, you subscribe, and you go check it out. It is titled, Crypto CEO Accidentally Describes Ponzi Scheme. And it's a very apt and fitting title. God, what do you think about that video? What did you think about that breakdown? Do you have any closing thoughts there on that one? I mean, he's he's got to be pretty brazen to openly admit that on on a, on a uh, in an interview or on a podcast or whatever he was doing there. And it seems pretty arrogant to just go out there and say um, that it's a Ponzi scheme and openly admit it, and then and then basically defend it and say if nobody ever disagrees with this or nobody ever you know if we all agree that this is the case. That it will never collapse. Obviously, it's going to eventually collapse. He's just trying to hold it up for as long as possible. And this is basically uh, egregious what he did. And oh, actually, there's a, a breaking story now that I just saw. This happened like 15 minutes ago. If you look at MSN, um, all right. Basically, what FDX is alleging now is that they were hacked and hundreds of millions of dollars in cryptocurrency <laughs> funds were stolen. <laughs> Yeah, all right. They were hacked. Oh, no. That's what yeah, the, okay. uh, the newly appointed CEO of FTX says, that they were hacked. And the general counsel just tweeted out a statement that said, FTX has contacted law enforcement to clear up uh, the misconcerns about what has been happening and to uh, basically peg the theft at over $500 million and that they were hacked and that this is just a gross misunderstanding. And that uh, they're working with authorities now to alleviate everybody's concerns of what's going on. I have two headlines, two headlines that came in that completely contradict what FTX is saying. The first one, and this is per Reuters. Reuters, we love them. Very, very good news source. Um, not too much of a partisan spin here. This is a Reuters exclusive. At least $1 billion of client funds are missing at FTX. And the main takeaway here, though, is that Bankman Freed allegedly showed spreadsheets to colleagues that revealed shifts in funds to Almeida Research. Not only that, but the spreadsheets indicate that one, anywhere between $1 and $2 billion in client money is unaccounted for. And allegedly, executives set up bookkeeping backdoors that thwarted red flags. So 
the exchange founder, Sam Bankman-Fried, secretly transferred $10 billion in customer funds from FTX to Almeida Research, people, you know, sources, told Reuters. And now, they saw this money sort of go through the back door, and what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Where'd the money go? Oh, it disappeared, right? And they tricked auditors. And here's the other thing. And I'll say this. I see, you know, we have our little chat here, and I see you're going nuts. Breaking news. He's in Argentina. He is in Argentina. This came in, and this is a crazy fucking headline. Flight Radar 24 on Twitter, at Flight Radar, came in, and he said, the most tracked flight right now, according to tweets, the founder and former CEO of FTX is en route to Argentina after the FTX collapse earlier this week. They have tagged his jet. He has left the Bahamas, and he's in Argentina. Very interesting he's in Argentina. Why, you may ask? A lot of people think Argentina, oh, they're not going to turn you over, whatever the case may be. Argentina is a very strange place for him to take refuge, and I will tell you why. It is because the U.S. and Argentina signed an extradition treaty on June 10th of 1997. So for him to flee to Argentina, he might have bad intel. Because guess what? Argentina will extradite him, so he's a fucking moron. He's a total clueless moron who clearly is trying to escape law enforcement, and he went to a country that will very clearly extradite him. Um, Not necessarily, right? He might have uh, friends in Argentina, he might know politicians. If you uh, look at a lot of like countries like Argentina and what was that other country that basically um was pro bitcoin if he stole all this oh, el salvador he stole all this money he could very easily pick yeah el salvador he could very easily pay off politicians to get refuge in these countries and basically you know that a lot of these countries like argentina uh el salvador they're very corrupt so if he has all this money that he stole one two three billion in customer deposits customer funds he could very easily pay off politicians to seek refuge in a country like argentina and that would be my guess is that he probably has uh, friends over in Argentina and such. And uh, another thing, too, is, right, if you look at uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission of the Bahamas, right, and you, you say, like, oh, the Securities and Exchange Commission of the Bahamas, like, what the fuck? The Bahamas, they, they allow anything. They allow open fraud and such like that. But the Security Exchange Commission of the Bahamas actually forced FDX, right, to uh, – not pause withdrawals and allow all users of in the Bahamas to withdraw funds. And um, basically, they weren't allowed to pause withdrawals anymore. And it basically came on a first come, first come basis, first come, first serve basis of who was able to get their money out of uh, the Bahamas. And I saw on Coindesk, or uh, yeah, I think I saw it on Coindesk, right? That a lot of people were actually partnering up with people in the Bahamas since. The only place where you could withdraw funds on FTX was in the Bahamas. So they basically bought NFTs from, they, this is like Money Laundering 101. They basically bought NFTs on FTX's platform that were sold by people in the Bahamas, right? That money then went to people in the Bahamas accounts. And the people in the Bahamas then were able to withdraw the funds on FTX. Since basically, if you were only located in the Bahamas, you were the only person allowed to withdraw funds. And then... Uh, Coindesk uh, basically was interviewing people, and they saw that like for the, for this transaction, the person in the Bahamas would receive a commission on all funds that they were able to withdraw from FTX's platform. So, say you had one million dollars, and you you sold these NFTs, and you transferred it over to someone in the Bahamas, and then they were able to sell it. You would pay somebody twenty twenty percent of the commission to get the money off the platform because. You basically want to get your money off the platform first before this whole ship uh, sails and you basically lose all your deposits because we know there's not enough money there for people to get all their money out. So this is what people were doing. And this is some shady activity that was going on, basically. And it was this loophole that was existed in the Bahamas since the Bahamian Security and Exchange Commission came down on him and forced him to open withdrawals. And it seems like a lot of rich people were able to get their money out at the expense of the poor people since they didn't know about this loophole that was going on. Yeah, I mean, F- 
But yeah, I mean, FTX right, right now is just the gift that keeps on giving. I was just reading that the CEO of FTX, that was, um, uh, I'm sorry, what's her name? Actually, I'm I, I'm completely mistaken with this. The CEO Caroline? of Al- Almeida Research, Caroline Ellison. Yes, the, the CEO of Almeida Research. She is the former girlfriend of Sam Bankman-Fried, which is why she got the job to begin with. Because I guess, you know, maybe he like kind of was still running the show, but it was better to put her there so people wouldn't really kind of suspect what was going on. But that's his former girlfriend. And she used to work at Jane Street after graduating from Stanford with a bachelor's degree in mathematics. And she explained that um, she uses like very basic elementary level arithmetic for trading, which was a major red flag, right? Because the whole thing is that (laughs) you said saw this elementary mathematics. Yeah, she basically said like as a the whole thing is Almeida Research was supposed to be like a quant fund. Uh, like crypto trading firm, right? So if you're a quant fund, why are you using very basic level fucking math to do trades? There's no way, right? That doesn't make any sense, right? That's a giant red flag. Then there also was a post that she put online where she said something to the effect of, uh, you know, using meth. And um, I got to see if I could find this tweet. It was fucking crazy. What, what was her first name? Something Ellison? Um, uh, first name is Caroline. Caroline, yeah, you're right, Caroline Ellison. So here, she said something that was a little fucking alarming. Pretty smart, though. I would say uh, she's pretty smart, but she got caught up she, in uh, She said on Twitter in 2021, nothing like regular amphetamine use to make you appreciate how dumb a lot of normal, non-medicated human experiences. So clearly, she is very much into using meth, allegedly, of course. And... You know, I just want to say this as a PSA to everyone in the community. Like, there were a lot of people that got fucked by the scam. I didn't get fucked by this. Thank God. Um, God, I know you didn't get fucked by this. And and this is something we've been preaching from day one. And I will continue to preach this. Um, crypto is a new space. It's an ex- it's a very exciting and like exotic space, right? And it's very much akin to the early stages of the internet. Uh, in the early 2000s. And uh, right now it is very unregulated. It is the wild fucking West. And there are only going to be a few people to survive and come out of this. And in truth be told, I really do believe it will be Coinbase that will come out the strongest. I think they're most likely going to position themselves as like a JP Morgan chase of the crypto space. Uh, Gemini, I think, could make it. Maybe. I'm a little concerned about their uh, lending and some of the business they do with Genesis, not to be confused with Celsius that collapsed, but Genesis is uh, institutional level crypto trading, and I'm a little concerned about that. Um, And uh, yeah, I think that, you know, at some point, a lot of these funds, and we've seen this, they've been collapsing. Uh, But some major institutional players have lost money in this collapse, this Ponzi scheme. BlackRock was one of them, right? Kevin O'Leary fell victim to this. He wasn't able to get his money out either. So he kind of got fucked here too. It's crazy. You took this investment in international and U.S. I got to ask for your reaction today. Um, obviously, one of frustration. There's no question about it. Uh, I'm still a huge advocate for the potential of blockchain and cryptocurrencies. I'm disappointed, like many other shareholders, Uh it sets, in a way, though, um, I always try and find what is the outcome of something like this? I mean, yes, I'm a shareholder in the international. That's a zero. It's not the first time I've made a bad investment, probably not the last time. But luckily, I make more good ones than bad ones, and I learn from my mistakes. What's going to happen now is there won't be another situation like this for institutional investors ever again. We're simply not going to put capital to work until this stuff gets regulated. And what is occurring, and I'm just one voice in it, what's, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to fly to Washington, and I want regulation. I want it now. No more delaying. I think this puts tremendous pressure on the SEC. I think a bill like the Stablecoin Transparency Act, which has been floating around forever, not going to signature, not going to markup. 
we got to stop doing this to ourselves. As an industry, it has to stop, but also it's time to move forward with regulation. And if, if that's the, that's the, this is the bottom of the crypto market. A massive player goes to zero, and now you build from the ashes. That's the upside. I am still going to invest in crypto. I lost money in the accounts there. They have a gate on them now. It doesn't stop me from buying more, and I'm going to do just that. I'm going to take advantage of the fact that most of these currencies and tokens and coins have absolutely been beaten into the ground as a result of this, and probably a buying opportunity. That's the way I look at it. How, how, what, what do you need to see on paper before you would put fresh money into the space again? An actual bill? Yes, I want to see it. I'd like to start with one thing. I don't think we can solve for every single asset in crypto. I want to do one thing, and that one thing is to pass the stablecoin, the Stablecoin Transparency Act. One thing, because that allows us to use the U.S. dollar as a payment system. I would use that in all of my businesses every day. It's far superior to ACH, far superior to SWIFT, far faster, um, more transparent, 100% audible. All I need is the regulation that forces an audit every 30 days and guarantees me the backup for this is Treasury bills less than 12 months of duration. That's one thing, very simple. That would signal to everybody around the world that Regulators here in the United States are taking crypto on, starting to put rules in place, putting the guardrails on. No one is going to play ball anymore in this space on an institutional Kevin. level with serious capital till we get it done. And the real winners in this whole situation are those that hold their crypto in cold storage because you keep it off the exchanges. The exchange could go belly up. And guess what? You don't give a shit because you're just going to go to the next exchange. You go to Coinbase, Coinbase you go to Gemini, you go to Kraken, you go to Binance, wherever, you buy your Bitcoin, you move it to your cold wallet, and you're done. And then you don't deal with any of these exchanges other than like, okay, you have personal information on there or any of them that abide with KYC, whatever. Okay, great. They know that you bought shit on there. They know you moved it to a wallet, but like they don't have the keys to that wallet. So, you know, GG, they're not getting your money. Like that's just what it is. So, you know, and it's just this whole thing where like people really need to be cognizant of this. Don't buy these exchange coins. They're all fucking garbage. They're all bullshit, right? DeFi is total bullshit. You're not going to get a 16% return year over year without something being a fucking Ponzi scheme. It's just very simple, right? We saw in that video, Sam Bankman-Fried talking about the box that gives you a 16% yield. Yeah, guess what? That's not going to happen, right? Because why wouldn't Warren Buffett do that? Why wouldn't all these other institutional level guys do that? It's just dumb. It, it doesn't make any fucking logical sense. You have to look at things relative to other asset classes that have withstood the test of time. Stocks, you're getting anywhere from 7 to 12% a year. Real estate, probably the same thing, but more tax breaks. So maybe the actual yield of real estate obviously varies based upon like what level of financing you get, right? Like that's a huge aspect of it. But with real estate, at least you get sort of that tax break and, and you know, you get a lot of pass through write offs and things like that. To your personal tax return. So it's just kind of like, you know, maybe you can get like 10 to 15%. It's a little bit more with real estate depending upon your level of financing, but obviously you're leveraged up compared to equities unless you're, you know, using leverage in, with equities, which you probably could get comparable, comparable returns to real estate. I digress, but the biggest thing though, and I just want to say this, and I'm, I'm going to stand up here and say this, is I have a huge problem with some of the people who were actively and openly partnering, promoting, and sharing affiliate links for FTX without doing their due diligence. And that's, in particular, that's Financial Education Jeremy, that's Meet Kevin, that's Graham Stephan, and that's that asshole who lives in Vegas that plays with the cards, Andre Jick. These four yahoos were promoting FTX. Um, Tom Nash also promoted FTX. And you're promoting something without using the product, without doing your due diligence, without checking it out. And you conned all of your viewers into following along. And Graham Stephan in particular, I really have a bone to pick with him. I have what? I mean, uh, I, I think what you're saying there is... Uh pretty asinine. I think you're, you're trying to take away personal responsibility from people. 
I think people should be personally responsible for their choices. And if they're that easily influenced by an ad or an advertisement or they're influenced by an influencer, as per se, is that they need to relook at what they're doing and reevaluate um, their beliefs. And they need to take personal responsibility for their actions instead of blaming somebody else for their mistakes and trying to blame it on them saying like, oh, this person gave me the advice. Oh, this person uh, ran an ad for this company. This person did this. I mean, I don't think these people did it negligently. I think they probably got fooled just like everybody else got fooled. And I think people need to look uh, internally and basically take responsibility for keeping their money on the crypto exchange platform and not taking it off the platform. I mean, it's been preached over and over again. Do not hold money on a crypto exchange platform. Basically, only put it on the platform if you're going to sell out of it or trade it or, or such. And that to hold your money in a cold wallet, not in a hot centralized uh, wallet or a centralized exchange. But yeah, I mean, I can get I can get your point that they should have uh, did more research on what was going on, and they should have basically um, been more informed because it does affect their credibility and does affect their reputation, and it does look negative on them. But I don't think they hold the full grunt of the responsibility here. I think people should. Uh, I'm not. Yeah, I'm, not, responsible. I'm not suggesting that they bear the full responsibility. I agree with you wholeheartedly that it comes down to the individual, right? If someone tells you that you should look into something, it's up to you to do the homework and to look into it. I 100% agree. But I'm saying what I'm saying is, though, from the credibility standpoint, why would you ever trust Graham Stephan, meet Kevin, financial education, Jeremy or Andre Jick after this, right? Graham Stephan in particular, I'm going to pick I'm going to pick on him a little here. Because his content I'm the most familiar with. He used to say Bitcoin was the biggest load of bullshit ever, okay? And the reason why he said that is because he's a retard who bought into Bitcoin at like the peak in 2018 and he lost his fucking shirt. And he hides the fact that he lost his fucking shirt and he sold out of Bitcoin when it went went down to fucking three grand because he's a pussy and he's got fucking paper hands. So he bought this shit at the peak in 2017, wrote it all the way down to three grand sold out, and then rebought it, and now he's probably underwater again because he's a dipshit. And fuck him, that's why. That's my big fucking problem with him. Why are you going from, you know, oh, I don't like crypto, blah, blah, blah. Remember there were people that would call into a show and say, hey, you're stu- you're stupidly rich. Why don't you just put 100 grand in Bitcoin? Who gives a fuck if it goes to zero? You're a millionaire. And he would sit there and argue and fight and whatever. And then randomly one day, he's like, oh, I love Bitcoin. And he was like, you know, it, he's he's a fucking. I I have a real problem with him. His content's very boring. He makes the same five videos. The thumbnails are lazy, and uh, you know I, the FTX thing really kind of put me over the edge with him. I have a big problem with him, and that's he. You know, like he made this video, and it it just he says let's talk about FTX. It was a main channel video, uh, twelve thousand likes. It got bummed bombarded with fucking dislikes and it's a two minute video where he's basically just like pull your money out pull your money out pull your money out and he goes oh well uh, thankfully ftx us is unaffected really really if i was him i would delete this video because guess what this is something you get sued for how could you sit there and say ftx us is fine when you don't even know what the fuck's going on with the situation or the company the fact of the matter is this and this is something i want to make abundantly clear god People have to take responsibility for their actions. The people who followed his advice or or followed his sponsorship, they're stupid and they need to take personal responsibility for trusting some random motherfucker on the internet that is not a financial professional at all, who's just a real estate guy who, who made money in real estate and then built a career and made more money on YouTube, you know, reading off Investopedia and putting it in a five or 10 minute video, right? Like, they're stupid for listening to him. They're dumb. If you want to use him as like a filter to look at different ideas and then explore them further, that's fine. But if you listen to anyone on the internet that's an internet personality, wholeheartedly, you're a fucking moron, right? But at the same time, he bears a responsibility to his audience because he has to make, he, you know, if I'm him, I don't want people who support me and people who help me make a living. I don't want them getting fucked because then guess what? Now it builds resentment. I'm going to have less people who support me. And now what's going to happen? I'm going to make less money, right? And there's also that element of like, you don't want to be like 
despised by people or you don't want to be the guy that like indirectly like fucked people over, you know? So these guys, they got to get their fucking shit together. I'm so sick of all of them. Uh, meet Kevin, I I think would meet Kevin, you know, I'm not going to go as hard on him because I think the wool was fucking pulled over his eyes. I really do. Uh, and in that crew of, you know, misfits, I think someone was offered the deal by FTX and it was for a lot of fucking money. And then they tried to say, hey, we'll cut us all in. And then, okay, boom, now they're all cut in on the deal. But I think me, Kevin, you know, I think he he met Sam Bankman-Fried and he said, oh, he's a bright guy. He knows what he's doing, you know, whatever. I think the wool was pulled over on him. Stefan, I don't know. I, I think he's a fucking fraud. I think he needs to get back in the ring with Michael Reeves and Michael Reeves will beat the fuck out of him again. I think that's what needs to happen. Or maybe you have one of his subscribers that lost money with FTX, goes into the ring and beats the fuck out of him for charity. I think that's what needs to happen. Graham Stephan's a fucking pussy. I think that he runs one of the worst YouTube channels on the planet. I think that uh, I think his channel deserves to be deleted, and I think he can go fuck himself. And his girlfriend should leave him. Fuck him. Those are my words for him. Go fuck yourself, Graham Stephan, you fucking pussy bitch. Wow, that you you very uh, you feel very strongly about this. Um, you're showing a lot of emotion in, in this regard. I mean, telling Graham Stephan go fuck yourself. That's hilarious, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, I think I think. Uh, sorry to cut you off, but no, you know what? I I get very passionate because I don't like when people who you know there are people who are like like let's be real here. Let let me let me keep it a buck fifty, like my boy Train said. Let me keep it a buck fifty here. There are people like us who are very smart, very very intelligent, right? Clearly in Mensa or at that like Mensa level, or perhaps even superior to Mensa. Where there's maybe like a dozen, there might be a dozen people on the planet Earth that are as smart as you and I. Maybe, right? And, you know, it's the group of like Elon, you know, Trump, me, you, and like a couple of these like, you know, like real super geniuses that like wake up in the morning, we fucking levitate out of bed, okay? So no one's pulling the fucking wool over on us. But I get really annoyed when it comes down to the people who, like, they can't really defend themselves. Like, maybe they're not too fucking bright. You know, maybe the elevator doesn't go all the way to the top floor, as they say. Maybe the light doesn't shine too bright up top. And, like, they get kind of conned into this shit. That's what bothers me, because those people, they don't know better. And, you know, you might say, ah, well, it's capitalism, fuck them, right? But, like, I kind of care about that, because maybe they don't have as much money, or maybe they don't have as much opportunity, and they're kind of, like, trusting other people, and at least for me as like a content creator, I will never do an ad read for something that I don't believe in. And if the company is dog shit or I don't really know anything about the company, if you think I'm fucking taking the deal with them, they can go fuck themselves. And I'll say this straight up on here. I don't give a fuck if this fucking scumbag hears it. God, I know you've seen this. I sent this to you. We were contacted by a company, a crypto company that wanted to be on the podcast and to do a dedicated episode for that crypto company in particular, right? And I didn't know shit about this company. I did some research. I don't like the product. I think it's a little scammy and I'm not going to I'm not going to platform someone to our listeners and and fucking do this bullshit where we have the guy on and you know, it's this big fucking circle jerk for an hour and we push this fucking bullshit. I don't care. I don't want anything to do with these fucking grifters. It drives me fucking nuts. And they're all over my fucking inbox. And there's been like two or three of them that are fucking persistent. They're like a bad fucking hemorrhoid that you can't get rid of. They're a fucking pain in my ass and they won't go away. And hopefully they hear this and they fuck off because I don't want to be contacted. Leave me the fuck alone. If I want to do a deal or I want to do something, I'll come to you, okay? I don't need you coming to me. You don't bring anything to the table. I have more leverage than you. God has more leverage than you. We don't want to hear from you. We have a strong listener base. We have a lot of fans. We don't care. We don't give a shit. We don't need your money. We're fine. We're well. We're both well off. We don't want to platform you on our podcast. Like, leave us the fuck alone. And that's it. And I, I just can't be bothered with some of these people. Like, they're just grifters, you know? It's one thing to like wholeheartedly believe in 
you know, the sponsor or the advertiser and then you promote their product and you're like, hey, guys, I'm using this thing. It's fucking awesome. And I think you should use it and you get paid for it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Because you believe in the product. You're like, I'm all in. This thing is fucking awesome. And I'm getting paid and I'm providing value to people. And that's beautiful. That's capitalism at its fullest fucking extent is like you have something you really like. Other people see the value in it and you get to make some money, which is great. Right. But where it gets weird is like when you don't believe in the product, you take the deal. Other people kind of like follow suit and now they get fucked over. And in those and, and in that instance with those people, I think Graham Stephan, I don't think he believes in crypto personally. I really don't. I think based off of what we've seen with his past tendencies, he doesn't give a fucking rat's ass. I think he kind of looks at it as like, oh, I'll fucking pump it up and these fucking retards will go in or I'll get paid on my affiliate. And that's it. I think that's how he looks at it. I don't think he gives a rat's ass about crypto whatsoever versus someone like meet Kevin, who will do an hour-long video about crypto, and he'll do that like twice a week. Meet Kevin's not going to sit there and talk about crypto twice a week for an hour if he doesn't give a fuck about it. You could tell the way he talks about things, the way he approaches certain things. He's very intelligent, a lot smarter than Graham Stephan, and very clearly is worth more money. So, you know, he made more money. He's more successful, financially speaking. But you could tell he's passionate about crypto. He's passionate about the markets. He doesn't really want to steer people wrong. It's just like, hey, I believe in this. You should kind of do this thing too. And there's nothing wrong with that, like I said. But it's just where it gets really weird is like when you get into the space where you're dealing with like grifters. And a grifter to me is just like someone pushing or promoting something that they don't believe in just to make a quick buck. Oh, anything for a quick buck. Anything for a quick buck, grandma. You know, and that's that's what rubs me the wrong way. And I know I'm ranting, but I don't know. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about grifters and people kind of entering a space or promoting products that they don't even fucking believe in? And it's just like, I don't get it at all. There's more there's more to life than than, you know, dying the richest and being the richest person in the graveyard or dying the richest person on Earth. I, you know, I don't give a fuck. I would never want to be the richest person on Earth. I just want to be able to make a, like a shitload of money and make like an actual positive impact and not have to worry about like all this other baggage that comes with trying to make the most amount of money possible. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to agree with that last part where you said, I don't want to be the richest person on earth because I do want to be the richest person on earth, but everything up to that, I will agree with. I think these abhorrent, these abhorrent chiselers, I think they should go to jail to say the least. They should probably get their head stuck in a guillotine because these people are uh, stealing from people. They're grifting. They're uh, committing acts of fraud. And as you said earlier, Graham Stephan, he, he definitely doesn't believe in crypto. He's more of a conservative investor. And he probably just basically pumped crypto so that he can get money from uh, ad from AdSense, from FTX, get money from affiliate links, and get money from brand deals and sponsorships. Now, the bad part about this whole grift that's been going on with FTX and what's going on in the crypto industry the past week is you look at more conservative institutions, say like the Canadian uh teachers pension fund or you look at like blackrock you look at fidelity you look at more of these conservative uh funds who have a lot of capital and usually are the buyer of last resort and will hold these assets uh, over time and you basically need them to adopt cryptocurrency and need them to adopt uh the industry as a whole now um these people are basically not going to invest in cryptocurrency they're probably going to be more skeptical um you got Jamie Dimon probably going out there saying, I was right. I was right. He's probably going to be coming out in the next week, uh, taking credit for what for what he said earlier. And I think this does a lot of damage to uh, institutional interest in the cryptocurrency ecosystem and to Bitcoin probably overall in the short term. I think cryptocurrency will probably recover and cryptocurrency will probably be eventually adopted. But this is going to put a huge stain on the cryptocurrency industry. And it's going to take uh, a while longer for it to be adopted by people. And um, also, you were talking earlier about Caroline. There's another article that came. This this is news is like rapidly developing by the minute. Caroline Ellison is supposedly in uh, Hong Kong, and she's going to be fleeing to Dubai, which doesn't have any extradition treaties. So I, I like these people on Twitter that have. Uh, these jet trackers, they provide a lot of information and they're tracking these corporate jets uh, by the minute. 
So supposedly Caroline Ellison is uh, basically going to be fleeing to Dubai, which is very uh, worrisome too because Dubai doesn't have any sort of uh, extradition treaty. So what do you have to, what do you think about Caroline? Uh, she, I don't know. I, I I like to see who eventually gets arrested by all this. To to be frank, uh, as cynical as this may seem, I think Sam Bankman Fried probably won't even get arrested by this based off of all the donations that he provided to Congress and all the friends he basically uh paid off. And that's that's probably uh a cynical mindset to have and basically not uh trusting the judicial system, but. That's what the way I see things uh, falling down, and I see things happening. Even though he probably should go to jail, and he probably should be executed for, for, for what he did for stealing from uh, innocent people, but I just I just don't see him being arrested. Yeah, so I just very quickly have a, a strong point about Dubai. So it's very possible that she flees to Dubai, right? Like she made a shitload of money as CEO. I would imagine they probably pilfered quite a bit of money too. And at some point, Bankman Freed, he'll probably go meet up with his girlfriend. Oh, and they'll live in Dubai, right? But remember, we did talk about this quite earlier, though. We did talk about this quite earlier. Remember Hush Puppy, the guy that was charged with $300 million or $400 million of wire fraud? He was in Dubai, and they got him on his birthday at the birthday party, remember? And it was a joint operation between the U.S. and the UAE to bust his ass. And it wasn't for any reason of him committing crimes in the UAE. It was like... Basically, the UAE let the U.S. in to fucking get his ass, get him on a plane, bring him back to the U.S., and then charge him there. So they could, you know, even though there aren't any extradition laws, if they want you, they'll get you. And that's kind of what it comes down to. You know, great example of this, and I maybe I'll delete this out, honestly, I don't know. But there was a situation after World War II where... There were certain people from a certain group in Germany. I'll put it that way so we don't get fucking Thanos snapped here. But there were certain people from that certain group in Germany that was like pretty prevalent during World War II. They fled, right? And all of a sudden they went to Brazil. And there was this guy in Brazil and he was working there at, you know, under a false name and a false identity at a, uh, a Volkswagen factory, right? And or actually, I think it was a Mercedes-Benz plant of all things, right? Like, pretty obvious. Wow. So he's working there. He lives there for 10 or 15 years. People from Israel, from the Mossad, went in there and kidnapped him, and they drugged him, and they dressed him up as an airline pilot, and they all dressed as airline pilots, bought uh, first-class tickets, like first row, and they said, oh, he's sick, he's sick. We got to bring him to the airport. And then once they brought him to the airport, they got him to Israel, and then they put him on trial. And that guy was Adolf Eichmann. He's the architect of the Holocaust. And what they did was they drugged him. They put him on a plane. They went went right back to Israel. And they put him on stand for war crimes. And unfortunately for Sam Bankman-Fried, shit like that happens all the time. And you're talking about big institutions here. You're talking about very wealthy billionaire level people who have a lot more money than Sam Bankman-Fried. And you know how people get when you start fucking with their money. That's the number one rule. You know how they talk about the 48 laws of power? This should be the 49th law of power. You never piss someone off with more money than you because you're going to have a big fucking problem. He fucked over BlackRock, which is the most powerful asset manager in the world. He pissed off Fidelity. He pissed off Kevin O'Leary. How many other billionaires did he piss off in the process of this? Think of all the major banking institutions, investment banks, uh, hedge funds, private equity funds, billionaires. He's pissed off. With the collapse of this fucking thing going belly up. Hey, they're going to want his head on a stake. And, and I don't think it will be metaphorically. Well, I, I agree with you that if they do want his head on a stake, they obviously can get him. I mean, they obviously could go in. This is You could argue that this is a national security issue, basically, because he's fucking with the banking system. And once you fuck with the banking system, they have the full power of the U.S. government to come down on you. It's kind of like the war on drugs. Or if you transport uh, drugs into the United States, they can go into another country and just basically kidnap you and take you. Uh, it's kind of like that. If, so if they do want them, they, they can go in and and get them. They could go into any country and basically take them and get them. But I question whether or not they truly want them. And uh, his connections with people in Congress, I question. I question his connections with people in the Bahamas, his connections with other uh, world leaders and uh, connection to power dynamics and friendships that he truly has. So that it, I'm just saying, I don't know if they want him. I understand that if they do want him, they can, they can easily get him. But uh, 
I'm not sure that they do want him in this regard. They might want him because he was in Congress and basically with this whole fraud, he was te- he was testifying in Congress how there should be regulation in the crypto industry. And he was basically, uh, he basically went to Congress and made a fool of them. So a lot of these people might be pissed off at him since they were made a fool of, they supported crypto uh, currency. And this is more like political now because it affects their political careers since they supported Sam Bankman-Fried and basically he made a fool of them. So you, they might want to come down on him for that uh, to save their political careers, but I'm, I'm just not too sure about um, their motives and motivations in that regard. But the big winner in this whole thing is, did you see uh, the Miami Heat canceled the canceled their deal with FTX? So Miami Heat Arena, if you don't know, it was called FTX. Yeah, what were you going to say? Uh, yeah, I was going to just say this very quickly. Um, I saw what you sent me about Sam Bankman-Fried fleeing to Dubai with some of his cronies. And let me tell you something right now. As someone who is a frequenter of the Bahamas and has been there dozens of times at this stage of the game in my life, it is a very corrupt country where if you have money, you can pay people off and very easily get through. And oh, of Bahamian, Bahamian, Bahamian officials, uh, let me tell you something. Bahamian officials are uh, very corrupt. And if you have money and you pay them off, they will look the other way. They, they do not care. They very much do not care. Um, it's a culture where the, it is a very local economy that is based on tourism. And we saw recently, especially with COVID, that the travel to the Bahamas has not been as abundant as they've expected coming out of COVID, even into 2022. And it certainly looks to be the case into 2023. Pre-COVID, they were okay. They were doing great with tourism. They have Atlantis there. They have quite a few other attractions there on uh, Paradise Island. Even in the surrounding Nassau area, there are some nice areas. There's the Baja Mar there, which is right by Nassau International. But let me tell you something here. I saw, like I said, as someone that's been to the Bahamas probably about a dozen times or so, maybe more than that, um, it's a very corrupt country. Um, you know, they accept U.S. dollars. Their currency is pegged to the dollar. But if you spend some money, they will look the other way. They don't give a fuck what you do. You could you could do anything there. And as long as you pay people, they'll look the other way. They don't give a shit. Oh, and to be honest think, with you, for this headline to come out where they're saying the Bahamian officials are watching him, that makes me even more anxious to see that he's going to flee the country. That's even more of an indication. Because if they're watching him, that just means they're looking to get their palms greased before they let him leave the tarmac. And that's just what that is. Yeah, I mean, most likely. I, I think he's probably in the uh, Atlantis Aquarium. Or he's probably in like the Atlantis Casino right now. He's probably gambling away customer deposit funds. He might be in Atlantis Casino, like playing blackjack or something, a roulette. Or he, yeah, he's probably he's gonna definitely grease the hands of these Bahamian officials. But I say he's probably on a water ride right now, basically uh, in that Shark Tank ride or whatever. He's, he's on the leap of faith. Stuff. That's the leap of faith, the one that goes underwater through the tube with the nurse sharks in there. Yeah, that's that's the leap of faith. I've been on that quite a bit. Yeah, he's either on that or he might be a power tower guy. I think he might be going on the abyss, you know, which is a leap of faith, but it goes, you know, underground and it gets all dark. But, uh, yeah, I've been on all those rides, good rides. Casino's very nice as well. But I'll tell you this, you know, if he's in – I know you're fucking around now, but if he's actually in Atlantis, you better believe the iPhones are out. They're fucking – people are watching him. And, uh, you know, you got to be careful around there. You know, Atlantis is a very safe resort. But there are a lot of powerful people that go there. I remember the one time I was down there. I'll tell you a little anecdotal story. But the one time I was down there, I see this, you know, they have these big yachts, right? And the yachts pull up to the Marina Village uh, over by uh, Bimini Road, where Bimini Road was. It's not there anymore. Um, Where Seafire Steakhouse is, if you've ever been down there. And, you know, there's the John Bull, right? You go get a Rolex or AP or, you know, some crazy watches, stuff like that. But around that surrounding marina, you see all these big yachts, right? And there's this one yacht that was there, and I'm looking, and I'm like, what the fuck is this, right? I didn't have my glasses on, so I get a little closer. The guy's got a fucking helicopter on the yacht, right? And I'm like, who the fuck is this? It was Tillman Furtada. It was fucking Tillman, the owner of the Rockets. You know, he owns Landry's. He owns the Golden Nugget. He owns a bunch of shit, but it was him. It was his yacht. And, yeah. Did you say yep. 
I did, yeah. And it was him. He he was he's a funny guy. He was picking up fucking pizza. He ran out to the uh over by Murray's Deli, they got the village village marina pizza. He went to go grab a pie and then he went right back on the boat. So but pretty funny. Yeah, no, there's a lot of billionaires that go there occasionally. Um, they typically go there when it's not crowded. You'll see them down there in the winter, or you'll see like some famous people down there in the winter. Uh, another time I ran into some NBA guys, I ran into Mike Conley and I was hanging out with him by the pool and he was playing uh backgammon. So I didn't really want to bother him, but he was a nice guy, you know, and, and you run into some other people down there. Um, but yeah, you know, some interesting characters, business people you run into athletes, you know, billionaires, millionaires, and these are powerful people. And, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of other elements of things that go on down there, of course. And uh, especially in the casino part of it, I'll leave it at that. And to th- and I know you're fucking around, but like if he's actually anywhere near that place, there, there's cameras everywhere. Um, everyone has everyone has a surveillance system in their pocket nowadays. The, the pictures of him doing shit are going to be coming out. You know, if he if he fucking peeks out of a window of his house in the Bahamas, he's going to get photographed and the photograph is going to go right to tmz they're going to break the story sam bankman fried looks out window of house you know looking devising plan to you know leave the country or whatever the fucking that shit will be out like tomorrow but as far as his jet why do you think his jet went to argentina if he's not on the plane he's obviously on the plane i don't know why people are trying to dispute this you don't just fucking send a you don't just fucking fuel the jet up and then you're like send the jet to argentina as a diversion and then you leave some other way there's no way I mean, yeah, you very easily could do that as a diversion. And on that note, thanks again for preaching. It's been the word of God. It's been the word of Stonkman. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. This was a special episode covering the whole FTX saga. We will come with more updates as soon as we find out, straight through the 11th hour. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for sticking around. God, you got any final words for the people before we wrap this fucker up? Yeah. Stay humble. Right? Stay respected. Stay powerful. Stay, uh, stay corrupt, I guess. No, don't stay corrupt. Fuck the corruption and stay powerful. I'll, I'll help. I'll help here. You got to be vigilant. You got to be smart. And if you're into the crypto space, know that it's still the Wild West. There's a lot of grifters, a lot of people who you think are good guys who aren't good guys. And they're just there to make a quick buck like these other fuckers, the four yahoos I named, Sam Bankman Freed, um, some of these other retards in the crypto space, don't listen to any of them. It's very simple. You buy Bitcoin and you move it from whatever exchange to your cold wallet and you hold it. And then you keep buying Bitcoin and you buy it in regular intervals, your dollar cost average, and you move it to cold storage and you try to allocate a certain percentage of your portfolio to Bitcoin. And it's enough of a percentage where you feel comfortable, don't feel pressured into buying any more than that. Make a plan, stick to your guns, and ride it out. And thanks again. And finesse. Always, always, always finesse. Never stop finessing. Thank you.